dear friends in Christ, come with me to that upper room in Jerusalem. Jesus and the twelve gather for that ancient Passover meal. For 15 centuries, the children of Israel have eaten the roasted lamb with bitter herbs and the unleavened bread and wine. They remembered the Lord's great deliverance. Their slavery in Egypt ended as the firstborn died in the homes of the Egyptians unmarked with blood on the doorpost. But the angel of death passed over the homes of the Israelites whose doors were marked with the blood of the Passover lamb. And they ate that meal, that first meal, Passover meal, ready to leave. For that night they were set free. Watch, dear friends, as the true Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, takes that flat cake of bread made without yeast and and breaks it so that he can give the pieces to the disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. And a little later, he takes the cup filled with wine, passes it around, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of of sins. This is his last will and testament. For soon he will die, giving himself as the sacrifice to work an even greater deliverance. For you see, he, the Passover lamb, gave himself to set you And me, free, free from the power of sin to damn us. And that freedom, dear friends, is called forgiveness. Free, yes, free through the forgiveness of our sins. That's the inheritance his last will and testament has left for you and me. That's the inheritance, forgiveness. Namely, freedom from sin's guilt, and so also freedom from Satan's slavery and sin's tyranny. Forgiven through the body and blood of Christ, what an inheritance. Part 1. On that most momentous of nights, Jesus speaks with plain, simple words. This is my body. This is my blood. Could he have put it any more simply or succinctly? But how far beyond our human understanding the truth those words convey. Because look, he's holding bread, but yet he says, this is my body. That cup is filled with wine, but he says, this is my blood. Human reason, though it ponders, cannot fathom these great wonders. Yes, human reason will find no physical evidence here. 
Even the most thorough forensics of the best CSI unit will not find one drop of blood in the wine and not any flesh in the bread. And so our human reason is thinking if, if, if Christ's body and blood can't be detected by my physical senses if I cannot see it or taste it or touch it, it mustn't really be there. This must just be a way to remember Jesus, using his body and blood as symbols to represent his, or using the bread and wine as symbols to represent his, his body and blood. Yes, Jesus' body and blood are not present in any way our physical senses can detect. Human reason says it is not really or truly there. That's what human reason says. But what does Jesus say? This is my body. This is my blood. In this supper, he gives himself to us in a way that we cannot fathom. But our inability to understand it does not make it any less real or true. Now does it? Jesus is present in the Lord's Supper. He is present really and truly, but in a way that goes far beyond our physical, natural senses. It is supernatural, miraculous, but his body and blood are really and truly there. That is what I know. That is what I believe. Not because my senses or science tell me so. They tell me the opposite. But that is what my Savior, Jesus, says. And so as you eat the bread, so also, most certainly and surely, you are also eating the real, true body of Christ. The same body that he sacrificed on the cross for you. You're not just eating a part of it or a piece of it, but he gives you his whole body in the supper because that's what he sacrificed for your sins, his whole body. That's what he did for you. Yes, for you, because it is you who are eating. And so also, as you drink the wine... So you are most certainly and surely drinking the real, true blood of Christ. The same blood that flowed from his head, his hands, and his side. You're not just drinking a drop of it, but you're drinking it in all his full, its fullness. For he poured out his blood for you. Yes, dear friend, for you. Because it is you who are drinking it. This is my body. This is my blood. Whether we believe those words or not, that is the truth. That is what you eat and drink in the Lord's Supper. That is what the Lord's Supper is. Let us now profess this faith as we read responsibly the words of Martin Luther as printed in the, in, in the service folder from the small catechism. Part 2.
Lord, may your body and your blood be for my soul the highest good. What is the highest good? Some will run after the good life, but that's not the highest good. Others will seek the thrills and excitements of whatever they can. That's not the highest good. Others will pursue the finer things. Wisdom, knowledge, arts, beauty, happiness, and more. But those aren't the highest good either. And still others will think that whatever they imagine is God, you know, whatever they they. they, they convince themselves it is God, that, that image that they set up in their heart, that that must be the highest good since they call it God. But that's all a false deception. Lord, may your body and your blood be for me the highest good. What is the highest good? Jesus answers that in those words that he gave in his last will and testament there. Given and poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness, dear friends, forgiveness. That is the highest good. But why? Because sin cuts us off from all that is good and right. Sin separates us from God. Yes, your sin and my sin separate you and me from God. It doesn't really matter what the sin is. Our inherited guilt, our sinful actions, our spiteful words, our irreverent thoughts, our selfish attitudes, our self-righteous pride, and, and more. Any one of them. If, even if that was just the only sin we ever were guilty of. Any one of them by themselves. Cut us off from God. It brings you the verdict, guilty, damned. Any sin earns us the death sentence of endless torture. Yes, my sin drags me down to the deepest depths of hell. So the highest good is what removes that sin from me. It lifts it off and takes it away. That's forgiveness. God's forgiveness to a poor, miserable, wretched sinner like me and like you, dear friend. That's what Jesus gives you freely, unconditionally in his supper. That's what he leaves you in his last will and testament for his body has carried your sins away, nailing them to the cross. His blood has paid the full penalty. Yes, his holy precious blood has paid the penalty in full for you. God declares you not guilty for Jesus' sake. That's the verdict that rings in his courtroom. That's what he says to you as you eat and drink his body and blood. You, dear sinner, are forgiven. And where there is forgiveness of sins... There is life instead of death. Where there is forgiveness of sins, there is salvation instead of damnation. Where there is the forgiveness of sins, there is heaven instead of hell. 
For where there is the forgiveness of sins, our sin can no longer condemn us. What blessings, what blessings the Lord's Supper brings. So now let us profess this faith as we read responsively the words of Martin Luther from the small catechism as printed in the service folder. Part 3. The Lord's Supper brings us forgiveness. So go out and live your life however you want. Do whatever pleases you. Don't worry about sin. Just live it up and come to the Lord's Supper and do a little bit of eating and drinking and you have your forgiveness, right? What a diabolical, twisted abuse of the sacrament that is. It's not the outward eating and drinking. It's not those outward actions that bring us forgiveness. Not at all. It's rather Jesus' words given and poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Note those words of promise, dear friends. Note those words of promise. Cherish them. For Jesus makes this promise to you, given and poured out for you. His words of promise. That's what fills the Lord's Supper with forgiveness. And only faith, only faith can hold on to a promise. Faith hears those words given and poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And faith ex exclaims, yes, yes, this is for me, even for me. He forgives my sins, because his promise was made to me. He said, given and poured out for you. That means me. He gave his body for me. He poured out his blood for me. That's what faith remembers and celebrates in this Holy Supper. Faith proclaims Christ's death for me in my place as my substitute, paying for all of my sins. For that is what Jesus promised, given and poured out for you, for the forgiveness of sins. So those outward actions of coming to the up here and opening your mouth, eating the bread and drinking the wine, those outward actions don't in any way gain or merit or, or not even in the little bit, at least, forgiveness. Rather, as Jesus promises here, his words in the supper freely, unconditionally bring you forgiveness as a undeserved, unmerited, unearned gift flowing from his grace. Those outward actions of eating and drinking are, are, are simply your faith confessing, yes, I believe that Jesus' words have promised me forgiveness and therefore I come and eat his body and drink his blood, for he has given his body for me. He has poured out his blood for me, for the forgiveness of my sins. Now, such faith doesn't stop when we finish swallowing the bread and the wine, now does it? Rather, such faith drives us to say no to sin each day of our lives, giving glory to God in all that we do and say such faith lives for Jesus, always remembering the price he has paid for us. The price he paid 
for your forgiveness. Let us now profess this faith as we read responsibly the words of Martin Luther from the small catechism as printed in the service folder. Part 4. Are you ready for the Lord's Supper? Are you prepared? Now, sometimes when people hear that question, they think, am I good enough? Am I worthy enough? Well, I can answer that question for you. No, you are not good enough. You are not worthy enough. No one is, not you, not me, no one. For here in the supper, our God meets with us. He gives us his body and blood. How dare we even imagine that we in some way might be good enough? But that really wasn't the question I started with, was it? It wasn't about being good enough, but are you ready? Are you prepared? So what is it that prepares us so that we are ready for the Lord's Supper? Well, it's not any kind of outward custom or ritual. It's, it's not even a prayer or a, a sign-up sheet. Rather, it's faith. And this, this really takes us back to part three that we just finished talking about. Only faith receives the forgiveness that Jesus brings in the Lord's Supper. Faith welcomes and receives the word of promise and rejoices in the forgiveness the supper brings. And this faith knows, knows that Jesus truly gives his real body and his real blood in this supper. This faith clings to his words of promise given and poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. This faith confesses how totally unworthy I am, that it confesses my sinfulness, my worthlessness, but this faith also rejoices in the promise of Jesus that even a sinner like me is forgiven. It rejoices in the forgiveness that is in Christ Jesus, God's forgiveness, that gives me infinite worth because of the price Jesus paid for me. This faith clings and that to that promise and this faith cherishes this supper which brings God's promise to us in such a special way. For in this supper, Jesus speaks forgiveness to you as you eat and drink bread and wine and his body and blood. Now, our faith is never perfect in this life. We struggle with weaknesses and doubts. But even a weak faith struggling with doubt finds comfort and strength in Jesus' words of promise given and poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Yes, even a weak faith holds on to that promise that it is for me, for me. Now, certainly if doubt has overcome your faith and killed it so that doubt reigns in your heart, then do not come to the Lord's Supper. You are not ready. You are not prepared. It is not for you, for without faith there is no forgiveness. But to you, who are weary and burdened, you who long for the rest that only Jesus can bring to your souls, you who cling to his word of promise, this is my body given for you. This is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness 
of your sins. You, dear Christian, come. Come and receive the Lord's Supper. Be strengthened and comforted in this holy meal, for you are prepared. Amen. Let us now profess this faith as we read responsibly the words of Martin Luther from the small catechism as printed in the service folder.